I met this girl yeah. and she basically had a follow on TikTok and she created an OnlyFan and she made like 200 grand within the first month. Basically, YouTube automation, it's how it is in the world, YouTube automation. So you basically create a YouTube channel, but you have to automate it. And how you automate it is basically you find freelancers. And the most popular website that most people know of is Fiverr and Upwork, where you can find freelancers in places like India, you know, and third world country to be able to make the content for you at a low price. So, for example, I can have a channel where I'm paying $20 per video. And I have a team that's in uh, India that's actually doing the content for me. And the content are the content is basically made from you know having a script writer who come up with the idea and write the script, a voiceover who read the script, an editor who edit the video over the voiceover, and you have a thumbnail designer who create the thumbnail for the video, and then you have an optimizer who upload the video and optimize the video for you. So from there, you basically have a team who's uploading content on YouTube without you doing anything. How do you go about like scaling that and making money from that? Yeah, um, so YouTube. I mean, my main source of revenue is YouTube uh, AdSense or the partnership program. So uh, how we, how I make money from it and also how I scale the team is basically, like I said, I just put the team all together. I use Trello to manage the whole team and I'm, I make it in a way where they just have to do every single thing. And I don't have to do anything. But on a daily basis, of course, I have to check on the channel to make sure they're uploading on time. Nothing crazy is happening. The video editing is on point. Uh, no mistake is done in the script and things like that. Uh, but uh, scaling, it's it's fairly easy. Once you have a channel running and profiting and the team is well-trained, they know about the niche, uh, they can research the topic for you and everything, you know, you're not really involved in the process. So then you're kind of free once you have, if you're profiting from that channel, you're kind of free to just start in another niche. What got you to YouTube automations in the first place? Luck, I don't really believe in the word luck, but it was, cause I was already in the space. So I was always a teenager. Like my mom would tell you since I was 14, I never asked my mom for money. I always try to find some way to make money. So it was, I was always watching make money online videos. And I came across uh, uh, by nine to five, Jordan Mackey is one of the like people that started teaching about it. Like first, like one of the first YouTubers who started teaching about the method, but there was a lot of people who was doing it, but they never, they never really put it out there. So I came across his video. He was making like 30 grand or he made 30 grand in a month. Uh, with a channel or two and I saw the video I clicked on the video how I made money on YouTube without making videos so I clicked on the video and I was like no offense but I'm not a prideful guy but I'm like this guy can do it and I can do it and at that time he had a course I couldn't buy the course so I watched all every single video on his channels and I realized the whole blueprint and at that time to be fairly honest with everybody that's, that is listening to this there was a thing that there was channel that are called compilation channel and at that time, they were monetizable. And compilation channels, basically, you just find Instagram videos or TikTok videos. And you compile them together and you just upload them. And YouTube will monetize them as long as you have 1,000 subscribers and you gain $4,000 of watch time. So I started like seven plus. It was more than that. Channels, I started a magic channel, hair compilation channel, music channel. Like I went all over the place because I was young. I had a lot of time. And I was trying to do another business because I was hungry for money. Um were you so, interested in all of that or was that just something that you just came across or that is something that like was just a, a unique niche that like others wouldn't think of it? Uh, it was something that I just, the whole business in general or like my first successful channel? Uh, uh, yeah, the whole business in general or like because like magic 
Were you like really into magic? It was, I just came across the YouTube recommend, recommended me Jordan video and I just watched it. I'm like, that's a cool business. Let me see if I can do it. <laughs> Would you guys do the magic business? <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, did you know anything in the first place? Or, like, yeah, it's like, how do you know about magic? Like, how do you... <laughs> I was like, like making random videos. <laughs> oh, uh, the magic channel. So basically, you know, there's a lot of people on the internet that do like magic or even if it's like good editing. For example, this is a dude named Zach. Oh, uh, I don't know his full name. Oh, is that King? Yeah, something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. His and, cool. I mean, obviously, it's not real magic. It's just yeah. good editing. Uh -huh. So I would take videos from people like that and compile them on, on, on YouTube and, and compile them on the editing software and upload them on YouTube. It's so like, it wasn't like real um, magic magic. So like when you were creating these compilations, you would outsource it by having someone literally do these compilations for you. And you'd be basically doing none of the book work and everyone, you'd just be making all the profit. Is that what you're saying? Actually, in the beginning, I did all the content myself because I didn't have money to outsource it. Okay. So when my first channel, my first ever channel was actually a, a natural hair compilation channel. So it was basically sharing uh, women of color hairstyles. Um, that was my first ever channel that took off. The first month made like 1200 and. Uh, the second month, it made like 3000 And I was making the whole content myself, so it was pure profit. So at that time, I just outsourced all the channel. And of course, um, to be quite honest with people, most of my channel failed. And at the time in 2020, early 2020, or late 2020, when YouTube uh, made the new policy, all my compilation channel got demonetized because they stopped monetizing uh, compilation. Yeah, I heard that it was really bad. Like, I remember, like, Dobrik <laughs> talked about this on one of his podcasts. He said he was making, like, 250 grand a month before that happened. And then after that, it went down to, like, 25. It did, but luckily, I had one channel where I had a voiceover. So YouTube yeah. wanted that originality added to every video. So I was able to feed off that one channel and scale to other channels. But if I was dumb and I just stayed with compilation, I would have been. I would have been toast. <laughs> so if you have like one piece of advice right now for someone who wants to start something like this what do you what, do you, what would you say but i completely agree with you, which was to say i know most of the people in the youtube automation space i live in florida some of them actually live in florida i haven't networked with them but some of them actually are actually winning so i would love to meet them someday some i've met but through zoom uh but i actually i used to have a course but it's my personal youtube channel now I just sell coaching, to be honest. Um, and coaching is basically uh, me on a Zoom call with someone to guide them step by step. So it's more high end, but for people who want to learn into automation, I just put my course for free. But it's, I, I understand what everybody's saying. I haven't, I'm, I'm not really active on social media. You probably see my social media. I'm not really out there. A lot of people have been telling me to post more, post more on my social media, get more out there and things like that. But I might get into that in the future. No, I mean, I think that's like the really interesting thing about all this, about all these online businesses is that, you know, like, for example, you said you tried SMMA, right? So yeah. I, I feel that like once you learn so much about just one particular niche in the online business forum, and then you get really good at it, and then you're able to like scale it and you get, you, you make yourself credible. And then after that, you start like what you did, right? With coaching. And mm -hmm. there's just, there's just extreme upside to everything. There's infinite upside. And I, I think that's something that a lot of people, they just, they just don't see. And that's really interesting. And, and I'm curious, uh, you talk about SMMA, have you ever tried it before? Yeah, I started an agency around literally 20 days ago. I booked, you know, <laughs> you know like how in the, uh, in the SMMA terminology, it's like sardines, fish, sharks, and like whales. Wells. <laughs> yeah, no, like oh, one day, hopefully I get to a whale client, but, uh, no, I've gotten like two sardine clients so far, like 500 a piece. And then I've been able to like, I got one contractor who's doing, like I'm paying them half and then like I'm still raking in profit. But I guess in the first 20 days or so, you know, it's 
it's really panned out, but you know, I, I still have so much to learn. But I, I feel like after doing like all this research into you know people like you, people that other YouTubers that have just gone into these online businesses and just made out and just have made so much profit, you know, it really made me question like what I understood about life, you know. Because no, like parents, teachers, they tell you that no, you're not supposed to do something like this. You're not, you're not supposed to start an online business. Like you gotta go, you gotta go the traditional way. You know, you gotta like get your degree. You gotta like work forty years, right? Like, and that's something you didn't want to do, right? And exactly, I guess like realizing that that's just, just realizing how far you could take something like this. That that's just really inspiring. And how PG can I get on this uh, podcast? You can go rated R, rated X. I don't really care. (laughs) Do what you want, man. So. Why are you mentioning that? Because a couple, actually, there was this month. Wait, how so, much? Wait, what? 200 grand. 400? 200 grand. Yeah, within one month. And keep in mind, she's not business savvy. She didn't do any marketing. She's had the following on TikTok. And even realizing this, I actually went more in depth because I never looked into like the OnlyFans aspect of uh, like the business aspect of OnlyFans. I feel like that's so risky, though. Like, that's just like not a safe industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's not even i mean only thing got the you know got the reputation for sex work but a lot of the girls don't really even post nude and stuff like that um there's even people that use only fan as like a patreon so they just give exclusive content where they like you can have exclusive podcasts with only except they have to pay the subscription well like how down bad do you have to be though to, no, like, actually like, <laughs> like this shit's for free like for real like why, why are you paying <laughs> 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 Two hundred thousand dollars? Like, I, no, I don't really know how OnlyFans works because I don't, I don't, I, I, I personally don't really go on it. <laughs> like, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, and realizing all of that, you realize that. Like, I was talking to a friend of mine. I have a friend of mine that work at nine to five, and seeing all of this, I'm like, I could never work at nine to five when I can see this girl like literally make two hundred grand. She used her beauty as an asset. It's like there's so much way to make money in this world. I mean, I'm not a female, but I can find other ways as a male that for me is just like really stupid if you, to work a job, at least for me. And I'm not bashing anybody that work a job. If they do and they like it, then that's good for you. But if you hate your job, then there's just so many opportunities out there for you to make money. Yeah, I honestly feel that there's a certain skill set that comes with things like this. Like, I feel that in order to go into something, into like SMMA or Amazon FBA or like literally YouTube automation, you have right. to, you have to, I feel like it's the persona you give off. It's more like you have to be like outgoing as fuck, right? Like, you got to really have that confidence down, right? Because especially like when you're selling an SMMA, like you're convincing your clients, like, yeah, you should really sign with me. Like, you should pay $2,000 a month for my services. Like, they're not going to, if they sense like even that little hesitation, they're going to be like, no, I'm not signing with this guy. Because every because society, it's a societal norm that everyone thinks this is a scam. So yeah. just, I guess, playing your strengths and realizing, I guess, you know, what kind of skills you have to develop. Like I always say that you have to invest in yourself. And so like if you invest in yourself through public speaking, being able to be confident, knowing how to sell, things like that, I feel that's going to get you so much farther in life than just, I guess, the traditional route. Because I feel like that, you know, a lot of people my age, right? Like we're we're like incoming seniors in high school right now. A lot of a oh. lot of people, incoming seniors in high school, right? They're yeah. so into like college. Like you you probably went to school with these type of people, right? They were mm-hmm. like college confidential people. Like I know Devin loves college confidential. Oh, you put me on. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm an all that thing like college stuff. 
like, oh, call Yeah, but the thing is, is that, you know, like, what I ended up realizing is that all the stuff you do, right, like, to really just, you know, like, how people boost their college application, they do, like, extracurriculars, things like that, right? All of that is investing in yourself because that gives you management experience, that gives you leadership experience, and that gives you just knowing how to build a fundamental team and getting them on task. And, and I feel that just using those skills, like, that's just so much better in your life because like i feel that like for example right someone who gets into harvard if you put them in community college they're gonna send they're gonna end up in the same exact place in life because it's the mindset that got them into harvard you you put someone anywhere like it i don't think college determines like where you're gonna where you're gonna end up because yeah. i feel that you know like if someone who grinds their ass off at like some community college and knows how to network goes to these workshops and just finds the right connections and the right people then he, he is going to go farther than you know, like any of these, like I, I really like prep people, right? Yeah, what I'm saying is, like the whole thing about college is yeah. the, the higher the institution, it's just the connections and network that you get from it. I don't know, like I don't really agree with this to a full extent, but have you ever heard that quote that a lot of like C students, they're they're the people, and like the A students work for the C students, and the yeah. C students are like running the companies. Like that's true to like a certain extent, but not a full extent. Like, do you agree with that? I guess it depends. There's no study to back it up. I think Robert Kiyosaki said that. I'm in his book, Reach That Poor That. Yeah. Uh, it it, it depends, but I never really, even in high school, I mean, I had people, I had a friend, we didn't, we didn't stay in contact, but I recently found out he went to the military. Mm-hmm. And when we were in high school, he was going to go to school for business. I remember I was telling him, don't go to school for business. Because I was trying to do business in, in high school. I didn't think you had to go to school for it, to be honest. I mean, there's stuff that school can teach you, but it's not really, I really believe that you can learn it with the internet. There's so many information, the internet. you don't have to run an internet business, but there's so many stuff that you can learn when I went to college. And he ended up not going to uh, for business school, and he went to the military instead. <laughs> no, so, I think it's. I think with that though, it's interesting because yeah, like everything you need, like your whole degree, like everything you take in college, you can literally learn through YouTube. But the thing is, is that like, like you know how people like these YouTubers, they will literally go into colleges and they will sit in lectures and they will like literally yeah. like be take their class and will like film all of that, right? The yeah. thing with that is that. I think that society, they just want that diploma. Like that just, that, that written thing that says you went to this college. Like if you literally have that and then like you didn't do like literally nothing. And then you, you just like, let's say someone has that diploma and then they, they just don't have any of the classes. They know nothing. They retain nothing. Like that, that is worth more in society's eyes. What do you guys think? But I mean, Eric's point is valid, though. Like, you know, if you, like you said, you think that you need to go to business school to learn how to do business. And that's true to a certain extent, though, because especially, like you said, nowadays, everything you can pretty much learn online. And like, you know, we have other people who are in our school who are making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars already just through, you know, learning stuff online and learning how to do like e-commerce and opening up other shops and things like that. No, I think it's because, like, your parents, it's mostly our parents, too, you know? Like, they want you that diploma, you're getting your master's and all that. Well, I think it's because they grew up in an age where this was impossible. Like, this this digital marketing agencies, like SMMA, like, people have really only found out about this in the last five, six years or so. Like, you know Iman Godzi, right? Like, that mm-hmm. guy came to life in, like, what, like, 2016? Like, th- this hasn't been, this wasn't around when our parents were growing up. Like, so, you know... <laughs> Like Amazon was a freaking book selling business when your dad went to school, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you know what Amazon was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't even think Amazon was around when my dad was in school either. 
so you know it just shows how much like time has progressed essentially so my prediction is that in 40 years or so right everyone's gonna catch on and then it's like it's like this time right now it's like learning about apple in 1975 right when apple's first coming out and then like no one thinks it's gonna amount to anything right and then like Bro, like forty years later, it's it's literally like one of the what it's the highest it's it's one of the best stocks you can have. Like if you had invested a hundred thousand stocks in Apple in nineteen seventy five, you'd be a freaking billionaire nearly, right? Yeah, so like I feel that it's the same thing here, right? So if you if you if you learn about all these online businesses now, like what you're saying with like YouTube automation and SMMA, right? Forty years from now, I think that everyone's gonna literally catch on to this and it's like investing in the stock now. So like, it's like you're investing in SMMA now and you're finding out about this. You're finding about the apple of like what this today's age is. And then you're realizing that in the future, this, this is going to make you a ton of money because of the investment you're making right now. Yeah. It's like same thing with Amazon. So I invested in Amazon. I'm making like over like 2000 profit. This from that. <laughs> That's all I got. Humble flex right there. Yeah, humble flex. Yeah. Amazon's making me go on. What are your thoughts? No, I completely, completely agree with you. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you, hundred percent on that. Do you have any other questions you want to ask about automation? You can ask someone. No, I'm not talking right now. We got nine minutes. Let's see. Uh, what else do you want to talk about, Link? Do you do stock by any chance? Uh, do I sell what? Do you do stock? Uh, actually, can you explain the process of how you were able to scale to $10,000 a month? Yeah. Pretty easy. Um, oh, really? <laughs> Elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to know. I, I honestly think once you build a successful channel on YouTube, it's very easy to create another one. Uh, I mean, the way I was able to do it is very simple. If you have a channel you build in a in a niche, it's successful. I just replicate that same channel over again. Uh, within the past few months, I had a niche that I was working on. I built the channel to twenty thousand subscribers, and there was some mistake that I did, so I got a copyright claim. The channel got deleted, but before the channel got deleted, and that was within a month, 20,000 20, subscribers, and it probably made around uh, four grand, five grand. So before it got deleted, I sold it to other channels, and I just gave that channel a shout out. So because I already had the subscriber, they'll watch the other channel and that, those two channels, I still kept them. So once you have one successful channel, it was just creating other channel. Um, and of course I branch out to different niches, but I usually try to secure like one niche and secure like a comfortable amount of money where I feel like, okay, I, I have money to spend and to starting other niches. Cause to be quite honest with you, a lot of stuff, a lot of experiment, I have more failed channels than successful channel on YouTube. I mean, probably, 10% of channel I've experimented with uh, succeed compared to like 90% just fail. So what niche are you in? Like what niche did you start in? Uh, I don't really, I'll tell people my past niches, but I, uh, it's not even to keep a secret, but one of my most, my first successful niche was obviously the hair, but that was a compilation. But my biggest niches that I post a lot and I've did some of my coaching with, was actually cryptocurrency because I got I saw the cryptocurrency channel in 20 uh 2020 mid 2020 or late 2020 around that range uh that was during corona when crypto was going up mm-hmm. so I had a friend who had a motivation channel and I was gonna sort a motivation channel but I'm like this is too, too saturated so yeah I'm like how can I put the same thing into a, another niche and I put it into the crypto space because I'm not a crypto expert to be quite honest with you I made probably over 
uh, close to 200,000 with the crypto space within the last two years. Uh, but I've honestly, I cannot explain to you. I mean, I know how Bitcoin works, but I can't explain to you the fundamental of Bitcoin. I'll be quite honest with you on that. Yeah. So basically what I did is with the motivation channel, what they do is they find speakers that speak on certain, you know, that give motivation, like their final speech of Will Smith speaking at a conference. And they'll turn that 20 minutes speech or something like that into an eight minute video. And they add music in the background, they put stock for the top of it. So I did the similar thing, but I found popular influences that are in the crypto space, like Michael Saylor, Mark Cuban, uh, Kevin O'Leary, uh, Kathy Wood, like popular investor that people would want to hear their take about the crypto market. So I'll take their interview because they do a lot of interviews and I'll take part of the interviews and I'll take the audio, put stock footage over it to match over what the speaker is saying, put the music in the background to over copyright and put a thumbnail to and upload the video. I actually started doing that myself. Then I outsourced it. And that was probably one of my biggest success. That, that was when I started coaching because I posted on Facebook. A lot of people wanted to know how I did it. So I did a couple coaching on it. And to be quite honest with you, a lot of most of the popular crypto channels are faces on YouTube are students of mine. That is no, that is actually really interesting. I, I, I know another YouTuber does something similar. You ever hear of Ben Lionel Scott? He's also in the motivation market. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you notice how everything he does, like it's a literally from a movie, like each clip he has is from a movie. And then it's just some inspirational quote from like Goggins or uh, Jocko Willink or uh, someone like that. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's like, that's actually a very interesting strategy. I'm not, not I never really thought of that. And I actually like, man, we should try that, guys. No, no, think about it. You know what they do on TikTok, though? Like, they take clips from like Andrew Tate or like Sneaker and they put that in. And, and that's how they grow. Yeah, exactly. that's how they get the views and like, and now that you mentioned that, you should, you should watch my latest video on my YouTube channel. I literally just review what you said. But stuff like that is what people don't notice about YouTube automation, which is what makes it harder for the beginners. If you notice a niche and you see everybody's doing it, for example, like you mentioned motivation, it's already too late for most of the time. I see people that start channels of motivation, meditation, a top 10 channel, but those channels, they're super saturated. The average person is going to take years possibly to grow a channel on there, unless you have like good connection, you know, someone already has a successful channel or you're editing super out of like, I'm talking about super rare for people to come across. I mean, sometimes of course, a YouTube algorithm, you can get lucky with it. So luck might play a role in it. But if you really don't want to rely on luck, you have to find niches that nobody know about. That's why stuff that I'm on right now, nobody really, there's not that much competition. Within six months or a year, people will find out about it and it will be too late because there's a lot of competition. I think it's the same thing with Shopify because I didn't stay with Shopify for too long. But most of the people that were making money on Shopify, the product that they were selling, it was kind of rare. Like other people were selling them. Usually when people get into a business, they find out, and you should find out what's, what's working, but a lot of time what's working in the outside, what everybody's showing you, it's not what's actually going to make you money. It's already too saturated. So it's the same thing with YouTube automation, which is the hardest thing about the businesses. I have to, every single month I spend, shoot 80% of my day on YouTube. I'm trying to research, find new niches that, that is untapped, like trend people haven't picked up on yet. And I'm trying to be the first mover. No, yeah, like I totally understand yeah. what you mean. That's exactly like what we did with the podcast because what we realized is that in marketing here, right, you got to find niches where like there is less competition. Like we were, I remember we were entrepreneurship in the beginning and then we switched for like education for teens because it was mm -hmm. more of a level playing ground. And like, I don't know, we, I remember, remember we had, um, what's her name on? And then she had this like nut allergy podcast. And then he's like, because that's such a small niche and you have like such a like precise target audience, that's how she was able to make it successful because she just had that community. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you think do you think it's catching on the trends? Because like you talked about crypto and how in 2020 it was just rising massively, right? So when you started your crypto channel, like in uh in around 2020, do you think that's why it exploded? Because it was getting really popular around the time? Yeah, definitely. But it's not only why is number one, it's the trend. And this channel that just rely on trend, but once the trend dies down, the channel dies down. So that's why I try not to stay within that range, within that lane. But I I can already tell from like watching some crypto video, I'm like, this stuff is here to stay. So this is a niche that's gonna be evergreen. Um, but the videos are gonna be trend videos. So they're gonna get views today's and next day I have to put out new content because people are not gonna watch the old videos. Uh, so yes, it was a trend, but number two I'll also say like, for example, my videos were on specific speakers. At that time, Michael Saylor was getting millions of views and his name on vidIQ, which is a tool that I use for to find out the competition for certain keyword on YouTube and how many people on an average on a, on a monthly basis is searching for that keyword was like millions of people searching for it, but it was very low competition and low, very low competition. And those stuff was, those type of stuff are kind of rare to come across. And I noticed other speakers that were very popular that were just coming out. Like people like Willie Wu, you probably don't even know who Willie Wu is. He was uh, analysis and those people like plan B because those people are predicting Bitcoin like correctly, the price prediction correctly for years. So a lot of people were coming across them. They were like small names and people, they build a huge following because they had good prediction. So I would find interview with these people and upload them and they didn't have YouTube channels. They were just doing podcast interviews. So I was the guy who was bringing them into YouTube. In fact, a lot of my channel gave those guys popularity but of course they don't know who i am i don't put my face in the channel so it's also finding that low competition keyword to make videos around i mean that's great advice so then how do you do like research to find out which niches are like more untapped than others yeah so i use a tool called vidiq uh, for that um I could share my screen, but with vidIQ is basically a software where if you type anything on YouTube, it can show you how many people on a monthly, and it's not accurate, it's an average. It will show you an average how many people are searching for on a monthly basis and also the competition. When it, when it, by competition, I mean like how many other channels posting about that keyword. So if it's a low competition, which means there's not that much channel that you're gonna be competing with to rank for that keyword. So you kind of have an easier chance of ranking for that keyword because on YouTube, People either see your content by searching for a term and your video come on the search or it's suggested to them. You know, when, you, when you're watching a video, it's suggesting to you more videos or it's the browse section, which is when you're browsing through YouTube. Um, and there's also the homepage, which is basically when you open the YouTube tab and you have the own homepage on YouTube. And none of those we control, all of those are controlled by the algorithm. So it's pure luck if someone, if YouTube suggests one of your video. I mean, there's some fact that goes to it, but you don't really control that. The only one you have a percentage of control over is actually the search. So you can rank for certain keyword if you put the keyword on your title, your tag, your description. And it's even, you even have a stronger chance if it's low competition. Because if there is not any video on a keyword or barely any video on a keyword, and you have that keyword in your title, tag, and description, you're easily going to rank for it when people search for that keyword. So what was your keyword? Uh, for, for Bitcoin? Yeah. Michael Saylor, it was the name of the speaker, Michael Saylor, Willie Wu, uh, Plan B. Um, Plan B? Yeah, there's a dude named Plan B, exactly how it is. <laughs> if you type Plan B Bitcoin, you see some of his yeah. 
but he yeah yeah so i know that when you when you search youtube automation gurus you're like the second guy that pops up i know i was wondering if you had paid for the word guru (laughs) i i I never pay for youtube it's terrible youtube ad doesn't work with youtube in general i try every single i try every single way that you can think of growing a youtube channel and most of them that include paying except for community shout out when you have a brand and the similar niches you give you a shout out none of them work i try youtube ad and youtube is very slick it's very funny how they do that i ran youtube ad into a channel once and they started promoting my videos as soon as i stopped the ad the channel dies down because they want you to keep spending money on the ads <laughs> so none of the pay method actually worked but i know what you're talking about because my personal channel i started uploading more often i'm like you know what that's why i'm gonna crush this automation space i'm like let me make more videos so that's why a lot of my videos i'm making my personal channel are making for youtube automation i know the algorithm youtube algorithm loves consistency <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the that's the only thing about i hate about running a personal channel because i have to make the content i have to shoot the videos and i have to i have to edit it because i'm gonna i'm gonna hire a friend to come indoor to do it but i do it at the moment because it's not too much heavy editing and that's the and they they do love consistency like if i want to blow that channel up i have to be consistent 